Welcome back to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the people's podcast, the players' podcast. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad, joined as always by the fantastic, the incredible, the uh, $100,000 list, Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. Anthony, we uh, we just went through playing that uh, the game HQ Live together. I think it's the second time. Second time we've done that, yeah. That we've done that. Uh, we were close. We were very close to to the final, what, 127,000 people out of yeah. just we, under we lost on We lost on question 12. Yep. And you actually, you actually knew it, and uh, I went the other direction. And it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. We both played. Um, it's fine. Yeah. So uh, I guess to lead off this episode, uh, we'll just kind of give people a little bit of an idea. You have a, uh, an interview that we did this past weekend with uh, Flyers forward Jordan Wheel. And this is before you know some of the, uh, the games played out this week, including uh, Wheel not being in the lineup for the, uh, the last preseason game, which was, I think, a little bit surprising. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that, if you want to nah. get on that before or after. But, uh, um, when I saw what the lines were at practice today, and we're recording on uh, Wednesday, Wednesday the 26th, um, Wheel was in, in the mix. Um, I really felt like the top four lines were close to what they're going to be at practice today. They had a day off yesterday, on Tuesday, and they came back and you had um, Couturier still not, <coughs> excuse me, Couturier still not practicing, although Hextall did say he will uh, play in the final preseason game, which is Saturday in Boston. So will Wayne Simmons, who hasn't played in the preseason yet. But uh, So Scott Lawton uh, was up on the top line, centering Giroux and uh, Konechny. Um, the second line was as expected um, with Van, James Van Riemsdyk, Nolan Patrick, and um, Jake Voracek. The third line was Lindblom, Vorobiev, and Simmons. And the fourth line consisted of Raffle, Wheel, and Dale Weiss. Now, I think ultimately you're looking at if Couturier can, can play, Couturier goes into his normal spot, and Lawton drops down probably to that fourth line. And I guess what they're <coughs> excuse me, trying to figure out is can Vorobiev be a third-line center in the NHL? He might get the first crack at it, um, but I really wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Wheel ends up there at some point early in the season. Okay. So anyway, yeah. yeah. So I'm so I'm not I wasn't surprised that he wasn't in the lineup. They you know, they do that. They move guys in and out in the preseason for various and sundry reasons. Okay. Yeah, I mean I, I was a little bit I, I think I was a little bit taken aback that he wasn't at least in the lineup. Um I guess one of the guys who got sent down that was a little bit surprising to us, at least based on our interview in the spring with Hextall and then going throughout the season, was uh, Nick Abikubel got sent down. And, you know, he didn't really have that much of a standout. He wasn't that much of a standout in camp. I think he, he looked like he, you know, is somebody who very likely is, you know, an injury on the on the roster away uh, from getting a call up. But uh, he got sent down. And uh, we're, we're in this weird situation now well, where... You know, uh, you know, people are kind of honing in, focusing in on, well, you know, who we well, think the, the final lineup is going to be. Yeah, but let, and, let me uh, just say, let me just say this, Russ. Uh, as far as Albe Kubel, I, I think he is certainly a real quick call up if you need a depth wing. And I say that because who's left in camp? So you say, okay, well, who's left in camp? That that'll kind of dictate it for you. So you have Dale Weiss, who. I think the Flyers might buy him out, or if they carry him, he's the 13th forward. Um, 
just because he's signed for two more years rather than wave him to the minors. Um, then you have Taylor Lear, who's still around, but really hasn't, you know, impressed. Um, they just sent Tyrell Goulborn down when they put him on waivers. Um, he has to clear first, which I think he will, and then he goes down. And then you have um, Corbin Knight, who's, you know, an AHL, an AHL lifer, more of a center than a wing. So, like, that's it. And then, oh, Yuri Laterra, who we'll get to shortly. Um, <laughs> so I think Nick Aubé-Kubel is very likely, um, and, and the reason that they, you know, he's a guy that they don't have to send through waivers. He's waiver-exempt. So he's a guy that they could, you know, start in the minors and bring him up as needed. I think he's one of those guys that you'll see get time this season in the NHL, maybe just not to start the year, but I think ultimately he'll, he'll be on this roster at some point. All right. Uh, the other, I think the other position battle that people are, are kind of focused in on right now, and, and I, I'm very fearful of what this is going to look like, is the fact that Carter Hart is still in camp, uh, as is Anthony Stolarz and Brian Elliott. When we were down there on Saturday, um, it, was, it was pretty clear they were trying to rotate all three guys. Uh, we watched a uh, final drill, the breakaway drill, uh, where Carter Hart and Anthony Stolarz were taking, um, taking all the shots, and we believe that Brian Elliott went in early. We weren't sure why. We didn't know if he had caught a knock. Based on his play, you know, a couple nights ago, uh, it, it is not the most encouraging thing, and I, I know that he's working his way back off an injury, but, you know, there, there are certainly going to be calls for Carter Hart, who's only 20, has just under a 96% save percentage, uh, against, I think it's been about a hundred minutes he's played in this this preseason. I don't know. It, you know, if you look at the numbers, Carter Hart certainly looks ready. But if if you do the eye test, if you're taking in practice, if you're watching the games, I I think we're we're still a ways off. I think you yeah, know, based on what Hextall has said to us and in you know press conferences and media availability, I still think we're in a spot where Ron Hextall is ultimately going to decide that Carter Hart should go down and, and you know maybe be the full time starter for the Phantoms. Uh, for the season, and and there's nothing wrong with that, um, especially because you know they I think had expected that yeah uh, that Alex Lyon would would end up with the big club. I think that was their goal all along was to have him be the uh, the backup goalie. He he's injured. Uh, Neuwirth is as always injured. Elliot's coming back off an injury. Uh, you're not going to bring Felix Sandstrom over. So like you know if if you had to go into a season thinking you know who can do a better job as a backup goaltender that's not going to cause controversy, well. Anthony Stolarz kind of fits the bill. And then you, you let Carter Hart go down and, and get regular minutes with guys like Phil Myers in front of him and eventually Sam Moran. And, you know, it's it's not the worst situation for him, if, if anything else, like or if nothing else, it's it's really kind of building chemistry with some of these other young defensemen that at some point, you know, might get the call up. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, and uh, so here's here's the thing. I. I think Stolarz is going to start the team, year with the team um, as the backup to Elliott. And, you know, R- Ron Hextall said that yeah, he won't give a timeline on Neuver. Um, it, it's just he's out indefinitely. So what does that mean? <laughs> right? He's like if, if, it was, if it was something that was just kind of, you know, day to day or game to game or even week to week, he would say that. The fact that he's saying indefinitely tells you that it's probably worse or it's either that it's worse or they're just finally fed up with this nonsense one or the other okay um lion 
is missing the first four weeks of the season with his injury. So they're down to three goalies. Um, they're going to have to bring in somebody. Now the question is, do they bring in a goalie who can be a backup at the NHL level and your AHL tandem is Stolarz and Hart? Or do they sign an AHL goalie to back up Carter Hart with the Phantoms and Stolarz backs up Brian Elliott? I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't see them adding a sixth goalie with an NHL contract. I just don't. It's just, it just seems to be too much. If they do, I think that they're, it's a waste of time. It's almost like last year, right, when, when we sat here, and um, this was, pr- I guess, prior to our podcast, but we used to talk um, before that, where it was like, did they really need Peter Morazic? Like, it was not necessary. And they went and traded for him, and he was a disaster. I think that you're looking at kind of the same concept. I mean, really, who's going to be available? And do you really want to bring that player in if, they're, if you know, they're on waivers <laughs> from another team just, to, just because they have NHL experience? I'd rather you just go with Stolarz and give him, you know, see what you got there. See if he can be an NHL backup goalie. He doesn't have to play a lot. You know, if, if, he's, if he's, you know, getting three out of every ten starts um, at the beginning of the season, that's, that's okay. That's not the end of the world. And Brian Elliott can, can handle that, uh, that kind of a workload. I think that that's fine. And it's not, you're not killing Elliott. Um, you're giving him, you know, the rest that he needs. And you see what you got with Stolarz. And you let Carter Hart... See, show what he can do at the AHL level. If he's, you know, dominating in the A, then you know, then maybe you think about it. if if it's like he's not. There's no more development time in the A. Like if he's just dominating that league, then we can then we can talk about him coming up. But I don't see how you can start him at the NHL level this year. I don't. It just he's just not there yet. It's not good for his development. Uh, think about what this is going to do to the kid. If, if he comes up and Brian Elliott has a rough first night or a, a rough stretch, first four or five games, what, what's everybody going to say? They're going to say, put exactly. the 20-year-old kid in. Exactly. And then if Carter Hart goes in and he gets shellacked, then you start getting all the doubt. You start getting the booze. You start getting all the creeping doubt of, oh, man, is this yet another highly touted goalie prospect that's not going to be able to live up to the hype? If he ends up going in and he catches fire early in the season, then the the already high expectations are going to be just astronomical. At some point, he's going to come back down to earth, and then it's going to be, you know, oh, is he in his own head? Is you know, is he just not ready for the moment? And you can avoid all this by sending him down. And and I think, you know, it's kind of Ron Hextall's responsibility at this point to kind of fall onto that sword, even if they think that, you know, if it were a must-win game, that Carter Hart gives them the best opportunity to win. I think Hextall's got to kind of, you know, fall on the sword in this case and let Carter Hart go down and look if if 20 games into the season or something he's you know he's absolutely on fire he's stopping everything he's poised he's in control and you think it's going to translate well and Elliot and Neuver they're hurt again then fine like then maybe at that point with a little bit of seasoning with a little bit of a stretch of you know playing some pro ball or playing some pro hockey um, and being relied on as the every the every night starter then then fine like let's let's you know we'll play at that point put him out there and and you know let gritty shoot people with with t-shirt cannons and everything will be great but until then like i i don't see any way that this is advantageous for the kid for his development he's only 20 years old and while you know last season i was a big proponent of you know let's bring up the young defenseman and see what they can do i think it's a little bit different for a defenseman than it is for a goalie and i simply don't want somebody who's as important or is projected to be as important going forward to this team 
you know, get put in a position where he's not going to be his most successful self. So yeah, well, I mean, I, him, I, I, send him down and it'll be fine. This is the same thing I keep saying over and over again. What was who was the last twenty year old goalie to come into the NHL and be very good? Come on, Carey Price. Was well, I mean, Carey Price did it. He did play at twenty, but he struggled oh. his he struggled his rookie year. He was not he was not great. It took him a, a little bit to get going. Like his first first season was not not the greatest. I mean, the Flyers, if you recall, I believe it was his rookie season, and I can look this up, but I believe it was his rookie season when um, they upset Montreal in the playoffs. Uh, I think that was in – I forget what year that was. But anyway, I think it was his rookie season, and they, they like, tore him apart. I mean, he was, he was a mess against the Flyers in the playoffs, and I believe that was his rookie year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up. You talk. <laughs> what do you want me to talk about? I can't. It's all about. It's all about the, uh, the goalie. Okay. Um, no, but seriously, I mean. It, oh, I you think... know what, Anthony? Hold on. This is a good time for a word from uh, from sponsors, including America. Yeah, there you go. And Tropicana Sports. So while you figure that out, let's uh, let's talk about those sponsors. Amerigas, the nation's number one propane provider, found locally at at Seven Eleven and Home Depot, and at thousands of locations nationwide, is offering up a contest. If you go to crossingbroad.com forward slash Amerigas. You can enter to win a grill valued at $499 from a top company, if not the premier company uh, of grill makers. And uh, all you have to do is drop in your name and your email. That's it. And uh, acknowledge that you've read the uh, terms and all that. You might get an email every now and then from Amerigas or from Crossing Broad, but it's really not that bad. Uh, Name, email, little check mark. And uh, you're entered to win a grill for $499. It's it's pretty awesome. Uh, The other sponsor and a, a... Grateful sponsor is Tropicana Sports. Uh, what if I told you that you had the ability, the possibility, to just pick a few random games? Could be baseball, uh, might be some MMA, might be some golf. Pick five matchups, and if you end up winning a daily or a weekly tournament, you could win things such as a night out at Chickies and Pete's uh, with nine other friends, perhaps a an ocean view suite uh, at the Tropicana Resort. All these things are possible with no strings attached. If you go on to crossingbroad.com, click on one of the Tropicana uh, sports banners, it'll take you to the daily or weekly contest. And you just pick those games, put in your email. That's it. That's all. There's no money down required. It is not officially a, uh, a gambling app. It's not anything that uh, you're going to have to look over your shoulder to, uh, to hide from your significant other. Nothing. No strings attached. It's just picking some games and winning some prizes. So a big thank you, of course, to Tropicana Sports. Okay. Anthony, back to you. Yeah, Carey Price, 2007-08. Um, it was the year uh, the Flyers made the run to the Eastern Conference Final and lost to Pittsburgh. Um, yep. That regular season, Carey Price, 2.56 goals against average, 9.20 save percentage. It was okay. In the playoffs, when it really got ramped up, 2.78 goals against average, 9.01 save percentage. And it, tra- and it like carried over for two seasons. 283, 905 in his second season, 277, 912 in his third season. It wasn't until his fourth season when he started to get, you know, pretty solid. And it wasn't until he was 27 that he was a uh, Vezina. And that was when he won the heart and the Vezina um, in 2014-15. Um, and he had great years in 15-16, as well before having a terrible, his, probably his worst year last season with a very bad Montreal team. But, it, you know, he came up at 20 and played, um, but just mediocre. 
and then was lit up in the playoffs. So, yeah, okay, who's who's the last one to really come in at 20 years old and, you know, set the world on fire? All right, it's a, it's a good question. It's fair. I, I mean, I, uh, I know, before, I, I know the we, answer. Uh, before we continue, well, go ahead. Who is it? Well, actually, he was he was twenty one, but I'll I'll give it. No, nope, you've it. already moved the goalposts. <laughs> right, go Marty Brodeur. It was Brodeur. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he Brodeur actually decent. came up at he actually came up at nineteen. Um, didn't play in the NHL at twenty, um, but played at twenty one, and that's when they went to the uh, game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals before losing to the Rangers, and he was sensational in that playoff. Won the yeah, he's, won he's the Calder. Decent yeah. goalie. Yeah, he was pretty damn good. Here you go, 21-year-old goalie, okay, in the playoffs. 195 goals against average. 928 Jeez. save percentage. It's pretty darn good as a, as a rookie goalie. Golly gee. All right, well, before we go down any more rabbit holes, let's uh, get to the interview with, uh, with Jordan Wheel, and we'll react on the other side. Plus, we'll uh, hit some uh, iTunes reviews, some thoughts on Gritty, and of and course... Y- and Yuri Letera. And, and of course... Uh, Who's that flyer? So, and, oh, and Yuri, Yuri Laterra. That's right. Yeah. All right. So, uh, here's our interview with Jordan Wheel. It is, uh, it's enjoyable. It's fun. It's uh, very unexpected. We had some some good things. So, uh, check it out. Joining us now on the Snow the Goalie podcast is Flyers forward Jordan Wheel. I got to call you a forward right now, Jordan, because we're not 100% sure uh, where you're going to be playing this year. I mean, you were winger last year, center maybe possibly this year. Uh, can we talk a little bit about that? I mean, you've, you've looks like you're moving back to the middle again where you played most of your you know, junior career and uh, where you were with L.A. Um, and then you were on the wing for a little bit here, and now it looks like you're going back to the middle. Can you talk about going back to your comfortable spot there? Uh, you know, it's kind of finding a spot wherever the the, the team needs it, you know. Um, but uh, going back down the pipe, uh, I've been, played a lot of hockey games there. Uh, most of my pro career, these six years, has been at center, and uh, – uh, when I came up here last year, they or two years ago, they were, uh, threw me on the wing and uh, had to adapt and, and learn that position, and I thought I did that uh, really well. And um, I think going back is just you're comfortable with it. You know, you go back and uh, you, you kind of have just played so many games there. It just kind of comes natural, all the things that you used to do come back real quick and uh, feeling, feeling good out there. When were you first approached about this? Did they talk to you about it maybe at the end of the year last year or maybe when you came back after the summer? Uh, break? Well, when I found out Phil wasn't coming back uh, and then we obviously didn't sign any any uh, centermen in the summer, um, there was a spot open and uh, you kind of had an inkling and there was conversation, a couple conversations in the summer and uh, you heard some things that uh, uh, that spot was open and they were going to try some guys out there. So um, excited to... Uh, show my stuff and show that I can help the team win from that position. And uh, I think I'm doing that so far, and hopefully uh, I can continue to get the chance and help the team win some more games. For the casual fan that might not understand your on-ice responsibilities, difference between playing in the wing and the center, yeah. since you played so much on the center, is there something that you kind of missed about it when you kind of switched out to the wing? Is there anything that while you are playing on the wing that you preferred or, or something that you uh, might have learned? When you're on the wing, it's, it's a little more stops and starts. Uh, so as a centerman, you kind of keep your speed throughout the whole throughout the whole ice, I guess. Um, in the D zone, you're kind of swinging through the middle, and in the neutral zone, you're swinging through the middle. So you always kind of you're at 40% speed already. Whereas as as a winger, you got to kind of go from zero to 100 real quick, uh, instead of from 40 to 100. Um, and for myself, playing there so much, you you just 
you find the little positions and areas to, to kind of gather speed, and that's 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 why it makes the best center so good is that they can make plays and uh, get pucks at, at top speed. Like you look at McDavid and Crosby and these guys, they're always going 90%, 95% of their speed when they get that puck, and then they can turn into another gear. And um, you just try and you try and emulate what these guys can do and, and, and take page out of their book. But, uh, um, yeah, definitely with center, you, you're – a lot more movement, and uh, especially in the NHL, a lot of plays come through the middle, so you get a lot of puck touches. Uh, whereas wing, you kind of get the puck, give it, and then go get it in an open spot. Whereas center, you're kind of, you're kind of the 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 cog. Is that the right word? Yeah. In the center of the wheel, yeah. um, you kind of make everything turn with the D to the wingers and uh, uh, moving up the ice. So uh, I really like that part of the game, of especially breaking out of the zone where you get. You work with the D, you communicate with them, you get it to the wingers who get it to you, and then you guys are out of the zone. It's If you can really communicate and do that well, it can help the team out. I, I, on that note, do you think that, that was, that's one of the things when you look at the way you play a game, that um, maybe when you find last season, if you were finding times that, you know, when you were when you were scuffling a little bit, that maybe is because you try to do, you have that center's mentality and you're trying to do a lot more of the center stuff, but you're still on the wing. Whereas now that you get back in the middle, you have a little bit more room to work and, and you can keep the puck on your stick a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there, there was times last year where um, it was still, I mean, your first hundred games at, at a new position, yeah. it's still you're still learning new stuff and um, you're going to have times where you're playing really well and everything's working out and then you're going to have times where you, things aren't going well and you just seem like nothing's working and then you got to learn how to figure out new ways to get out of that and get right. back to what you were doing. And as a centerman, I know how to do that already. I know if things aren't going well, okay, I got this is what I got to correct, this is what I got to correct. And I think last year I learned a lot about uh, the little nuances of playing wing, uh, especially near the end of the year when I thought I was playing some really good hockey and uh, consistent hockey. And um, uh, it, it just helps me grow as a player. You right. know, when you, when you have so many different things that you can do out there on the ice that – uh, you can help the team, and uh, you can be plugged in here, plugged in there, and it's uh, all I'm trying to do, and uh, help the team win games. Was know? there anything specifically um, from the time of playing the wing, now moving back to center, is there anything that you picked up as a winger that kind of, now that you've made the move back to your, to your you know, tr traditional position, mm -hmm. um, is there anything that you picked up in terms of vision out on the ice, kind of having a better feel for the responsibilities of where, where the wings will be? Does, does anything change systematically in, in your mind? Uh, or Not a ton, but you definitely, like, I don't know if it's so much from wing to center, but definitely coming up to this, to this, to the NHL, you, you learn that you gotta, you can't just take it and go, go, go. You gotta, you gotta dish and get it back, dish, get it back, dish, get it back. And um, it's a very, it's a big give and go game because guys are so fast, so quick, get on you so quick that there's only a limited area of spaces on the ice where you can kind of hold on to it and make plays so especially coming off the ice you got to dish it move get it back dish it to another guy move get it back and I think as a winger you got to do the same thing you got to do that or because you're you're kind of stuck on the wall sometimes so you got to you got to get that puck make the play and then jump back into the play and I think using that as a centerman now it, it helps me even more because I can dish it get into open ice and help my wingers out that much more by, by being an option for them down the ice. Now, we really don't know yet who's going to be with who. I mean, there's still yep. a week and a half to yep. go um, in camp before the regular season starts. But you've had success in the past with 
playing with Wayne Simmons um, and playing with. There's a potential of that if you're on that line with him there. How, how does how does it you know how is he to play with a number one and how does that help you as a as a center when you think about the way he plays his game? How will that make it easier for you? I mean, I think it would work great, um, <laughs> especially how I place it down the middle. Um, I think. And he, how he plays down the wing, it's just, he's so easy to read off. Like, he, he's, he, he never complicates things too much, you know. He, he, he's so strong on the puck, and he, he can chip the puck, go get it, make plays. He's so good around the net that, as, is, as is anyone that plays with him, it's so easy to read off where he, read off him, because you know where, what he's going to do, what play he's going to make. And it just makes it, it makes things click so much easier because you can go to this spot because you know he's going to do this or do that, and he does those things so well. And that's what that's what makes him so good is um, his ability to execute, protecting the puck, tipping pucks, plays around the net, um, that catch and receive in the slot. Like he's just he's excellent at executing those just small plays, and it, you can't ask for more from a, a big winger like that. It's 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 great to play with a guy. Sure. We talk a lot about uh, getting back into the middle from an offensive perspective, but um, if you're playing where we think you're going to end up be playing, you're going to get a lot of defensive responsibility as well, especially playing against top lines from opposing teams, uh, mostly on the road because they'll try to match up, right? Um, so what's that, you know, when you look around the league and there's such so many talented players yeah. that, you know, suddenly you have to think about more of a two-way game as opposed to just uh, the offensive end of things? Well, I think that's a big misconception. Um, when you look at my game, um, every year I've played professional hockey, Every all six years I've been plus player, I've been plus 30s and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I think I, all I, I love the five-on-five five game. Um, I think if you're a player, you, the special teams, it's important, but it should come second to how you're doing five-on-five. Five. And if you can create offense five-on-five five and um, – in the D zone, you got to be fast. You got to be efficient, so you're not burning energy down there. And I think, with communication and talk, you can get out of the zone easily. And and you don't. The best defense is not spending a lot of time in the ozone, in the defensive zone. You know, and that's right. with, that's with, you don't have to be the best checker to be a good defensive player. You just got to you got to be able to get out of the zone. Like if you can get out of the zone easy, easy, easy every time, then that's only going to help everyone. And and I think. For me, it's it's about that, and then if it doesn't get out, getting in there quick, disrupting the play, and then getting out quick. And I think I think I've been doing it. I've been doing it for a long time, playing against playing playing a lot of a lot of professional games here at center. And you learn you learn tricks. Definitely, when I was 20 years old, uh, my first year pro, it was different. It was tough. You got bigger guys. You, uh, you're playing against you're playing against men now. But I mean, six years in, you you learn the tricks of the trade and. Uh, especially as a smaller guy, you learn how to defend down low. Uh, you learn how to deal with bigger guys. You learn how to deal with smaller guys. And then, I mean, in the in the National Hockey League, you got special players, but uh, they they come with their own challenges, and uh, that's that's the exciting part, you know, uh, getting to play against those guys. You, you say it's a, you, it's funny. You said it was a misconception. Why do you think it's a misconception? I, I don't know. You, you, <laughs> I mean, you get, you're thought of as an offensive-minded player, exactly, right? Exactly. And you get guys the the offensive defensemen that kind of happen too. I yeah. Mean, just because they're offensive, I mean, doesn't mean they can't take these defensive responsibilities. And um, I, I think you're always looking to help the team in any way you can. And uh, it, the last couple of years pro, it always seems like it's 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 offensively. And um, but uh, you know what? As an offensive guy, you, you take pride in that. No, I can play all 200 feet. I can I can help the team win in the D zone as well because we're all competitive. We all want to win. And um, 
uh, I think that's it's it's funny how, how some guys get uh, tagged that way. It's funny. I got it. Well, I think we should go on to some other stuff here. Yeah, let's yeah. let the uh, let's let the fans get to know you a little bit better. So, uh, I think Anthony had said in a in a previous interview you had mentioned being a fan of Lord of the Rings. Is that oh, correct? Yes. So, uh, has that translated to anything new? Game of Thrones, like has has that happened? So I read all the books. Okay. Game of Thrones books, yes. Okay. And then I started season one on on the TV show, and they changed every a lot of stuff, yep. and I didn't agree with that. <laughs> so <laughs> this is right up so, your alley, Russ. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So so I am waiting till all of Game of Thrones is done, and okay. I've kind like I I read the books, man, like six years ago or something. When I was in juniors, I read all the books. So. Um, I don't really remember it with too okay. much detail, so I'm gonna wait till the whole. I, I like binge watching. I don't okay. like I don't like waiting every week to watch it because you're not into it and inve- fully invested. Yep. Uh, I guess addicted yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might be a better word. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna wait for that to finish. I think it's on the last season, right? Yeah, we're on the last season. Now. So I'm gonna yep. wait for that to play out, and then I'm probably just crush. So why isn't Benny Hoff from HBO or not? You're uh, you're not their biggest fans right now. The way that they changed uh, stuff that I mean, early. I mean, I've heard it's really it, good. If you think it changed in I've season heard it, one? I've heard, it's, <laughs> I've heard it's really good, and honestly, it's getting good that I'm kind of forgetting the details of the book. Okay. Because um, then you're gonna, you, I'll go into it with a whole new kind of like. Did you have a standout character that you can um, think off the top of your head? Well, I, I liked all the Starks, and then they just started axing all of them. So like. <laughs> It was just like, what? what? These are the best people. Why do we keep killing all of them? But it made for exciting. Well, I guess I read it. An exciting read. That's that's for sure. What have you been binge watching then? If you're not watching Game of Thrones, uh, we, anything. My recent? girlfriend and I this summer watched that New Girl show. Uh, it's oh, a, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that show is priceless. Did oh, you find my. yourself liking the the guys on the show more? The camaraderie of those of three like, guys. Like I've Schmidt never seen. I've never seen three funnier guys put together. Like <laughs> yep. their characters. I don't know if it was the writing or just them, but they were perfect together. <laughs> those three guys. You were crying every episode at something one of them's doing. You know. Um, but uh, Outlander, my girlfriend and I watch. Uh, it's a star show. Uh, my f- my second my favorite TV show of all time is probably Spartacus, okay. the uh, the Gladiator okay. show. It's uh, not a PG show. I'll say that. <laughs> So, if there's any kids listening, don't watch <laughs> don't this. <show. laughs> Learn Ask about Spartacus. Yeah. Don't actually watch Tell your parents it, yeah. to read up on it first because <laughs> it's, it's not PG. Let's just say that. But, uh, yeah. That's cool. So, yeah. you, grew, you grew up in Vancouver? Yeah. Correct? So, uh, I, I did my research on this. So, I think until about the time you were nine years old, the Vancouver Grizzlies were a thing. Do you have any yes. recollection of the uh, Vancouver Grizzlies? Did you ever go to a game? Were you, were you devastated when they left for Memphis? So, I got one flash picture in my head from when I was probably eight years old and it's just me sitting probably second level I don't know what the score was who was playing just I have a flash picture in my head of my in my memory at a Grizzlies game that's all I remember it was they weren't like they weren't the talk of the town because the Canucks were good back then so it was uh they, they had a short-lived time there but honestly now like I wish I if if they were still there I would I would go to games it would, I think it'd be awesome but as a kid, I, I, you never really – hockey was such – just the main thing going. Do you, do you get home to Vancouver much? Yeah, last summer I – this summer I got uh, I got there for about three months. The summer before I was in Boston all summer. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got back for about three months. It was great. Got to see friends and family. And uh, I grew up right in the mountains, so it's it, it was such a cool place to grow up. And we have forests and – 
like literally two minute walk from our house is wilderness. So it's and and then fifteen minute drives the city. So it's it's pretty cool. And you got black bears sleeping on your driveway in the fall and stuff like that. And cougars walking around. It's <laughs> it's a pretty cool place to grow up. And uh, it, it's always great to get back. Do you but, take in any uh, Whitecaps games while you're there? You been to a couple. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's pretty cool. You're a soccer guy, right? Yeah, I really like yeah. football. Yeah, it's. Uh, I love that he calls it football. I, I'd love to get <laughs> get over to Europe one of these uh, one of these times and. Go see a couple games, and the Whitecaps—they—they they got a good thing going there. They—they—they uh, they, they got a really good facility. BC Place there is awesome, and uh, they got really good fans. And it's always fun to, on a nice Saturday afternoon, head downtown and, and go see a game. Do you root for a European League team? Uh, Barca, yeah, yeah I, I really oh, like them. Geez. Yeah, I'm gonna have to end the interview. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> Real or what? Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. I mean, three in a row. You guys can't yeah. complain. Like, it's certainly it's three, it's right. three Champions League in a row. Three, it's, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty sweet. I mean, you know, in fairness, we kind of gave the league away to you. you. Can win La Liga this year, knowing that Ronaldo's not there. Although, Real's I mean, they're playing, doing pretty good. Real's playing better team the, football. Yeah, now. that's they still got the best. Like. They still got unreal players. It's How do you feel? Vidal comes off the bench now for Barca. This is like a really yeah. Or two of Vidal I thought he was a starter, bench, but yeah. he's. I mean, that's how good those clubs are. You got stars on other teams that come over, and it's tough for well, them. They're, to they're gonna be playing down in Miami. Uh, I think really? it's yeah. They worked at a El Clasico or something. No, no, no. They're playing uh, Girona. So this is okay. okay. Well, I say Girona, but dialectically <laughs> they call it Girona. But whatever, they're they're working it out. I think for next season. That's so, pretty cool. So Barca's going to be stateside. That's pretty cool. So um, this yeah, is, this is completely outside of yeah, my. We've, we've now taken, <laughs> yeah, we've taken snow the goal. I could do hockey. Across, I could do baseball. I could do sea, American football. You start guys start going soccer. I'm I'm been, I'm lost in the in the wilderness. Growing up, any was there any kind of a, a delicacy, any kind of food in Vancouver that you haven't found in Philly that you definitely miss from home? So I've found, I found the food out here, but just the quality of fish and chips in Vancouver. It, like we got this one place. It's in a little market right on the water in North Van. It's called Montgomery's Fish and Chips. Plug in there. <laughs> um, I don't know. They're probably not listening. But we'll tweet them. We're going to work on But this place, we, every time I go home, I make it a point to go to this place. They're, it, halibut and chips, two-piece. It's uh, it's it's out of control. So uh, that's one thing I definitely definitely like. Now I know you you make uh, a special version of mashed potatoes because you have a secret ingredient, right? Do I? I read this on an NHLPA interview that you did maybe a few years back. <laughs> okay, maybe yeah, not. I mean, I love mashed potatoes. You, was, you said could... you like making yourself steak and mashed potatoes, but you have oh. a special ingredient. You said you put cinnamon in your mashed potatoes? Oh, I got you. So, yeah, like if I make sweet mashed potatoes, maybe you weren't supposed, oh, maybe I throw you weren't supposed the cinnamon. to out the cinnamon, Anthony. Like that's a, that's secret, a secret ingredient. ingredient. It's not a secret anymore. I don't I, – I mean, people have put cinnamon on sweet potatoes. It's, on sweet it's potatoes, a, yeah. yeah. It's not plain mashed potatoes. I was going to so say that would be That would be a little weird. That would be a little weird. That would be – Okay. okay. You would have more questions for me if I was putting cinnamon <laughs> on normal potatoes. <laughs> awesome, awesome. You got anything else for us? No, I think that's it. Is I there anything anything else about you that that you want the fans to know that they might not know about you that you want to put out there? Um, not really. I mean, pretty open book. I, I don't I don't have any secret hobbies or anything like that. But uh, favorite arena to play in? Oh, that's it's not Wells Fargo Center. Um, well, favorite like experience or because it's different because okay. there's some really nice arenas that you hate playing in because. You always have bad games there, but there's like the worst rinks that you always have great games. And so, oh, I love that place. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, a couple of my favorite experiences. One was that Heinz Field game when we were out there. That was, 
I've never seen anything like that. That was 70,000 people. Like, wow. Um, You're going to have that this year. But I know, Here. yeah, Lincoln. That would be, that'd be yeah. awesome. Um, but honestly, Calder Cup Finals, Utica, New York. This place sat about 3,500 people. They packed, I think, seven and a half to eight in this place. Loudest rink I've ever played in my life. You couldn't eat, like, because it's a small barn and, like, it's low roof. You could not hear yourself think. It was game three of that series was the most insane game I've ever played because, like, the whole game, these people were going nuts. People were taking off their prosthetic legs, like, chugging beers out of them. <laughs> it was nuts. There was cops in the police, the cops in the penalty box because there was guys leaning over in costumes, like, like just berating you if you were in the penalty box, like, it, and they were just running around taking our heads off. Like, it was the craziest hockey game I've ever played. And it was the, Amer- the American League is something else. That really It is. really is. The you jungle. go into these small towns, man. <laughs> That's next level. It That's is next level. Wow. Yeah. It is next level. Well, yeah. Jordan, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on the Snow the Goalie podcast. Best of luck to you this season, and I'm sure we'll catch you again down the road. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. And that was our interview with Jordan Wheel. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's, what's the best way to put this? Uh, it was exponentially more enjoyable uh and and uh lively i think than expected uh there were some really insightful things there i thought the way that he described the responsibilities of a center and a wing from a player's eyes i thought was uh was really awesome but how do you top a uh, a story about new york fans taking off prosthetic legs and chugging their beers from them That's... and again guys in, co- in costume <coughs> threatening you in the penalty box crazy yeah it was good stuff pretty great so uh jordan's a heck of an interview well big thanks to jordan of course for uh for being on the podcast and i'm sure we'll be talking to him again in the future but that was uh that was a lot i oh and by the way i looked up the uh, fish and chips place yeah they don't have a twitter account that's a shame so we can't we can't tweet at them they have montgomery's right yeah yeah they have have uh they they, they call them monty's but uh yeah you 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 can put the uh the link to the podcast in their Facebook page. And they have an Instagram, too, I think. But All right, so we'll go to uh, Monty's up there in uh, North Van. North Van? That was the thing I learned, North Van. How about it? Yeah. Not a van down by the river, <laughs> to quote uh, the great Chris Farley. If I did it, I would, I'd blow out my mic, so I'm going to keep that one to myself. Uh, all right, so let's talk really quick. Um, what was more surprising this week, the reveal of Gritty as the Flyers mascot or Yuri Laterra being accused... Uh, he is a one of, I think, 23 suspects in a Finnish cocaine ring. And the Flyers, uh, for what it's worth, came out and said that they've been in contact with the league office and with the player. They had no further comment at this time. So, what's more surprising, Anthony? Gritty or Yori, the, uh, the alleged coke smuggler? We can't really say that. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. What's more Yuri. surprising? Yeah. Gritty. You think so? Yeah, because I thought that the Flyers would never get a mascot. They tried it in the 70s. It was a disaster, and they were one of two teams that held out forever, uh, them and the Rangers. They're the only two teams in the NHL without one. Um, And I didn't think that the organization would go down this path. They're very locked into tradition. Um, I will admit, Gritty has been... A, a sensation, whether it's a good sensation or a bad sensation, I think is still to be determined. Um, but he has been an overnight sensation. Um, yeah, so 
that surprised me more. And the reason I say it surprises me more, and I, I don't want to get serious here, but cocaine is a problem in hockey, has been for a long time. Um, it, it, it kind of permeates locker rooms. It's the, um, it's the luxury drug of choice, I think. Um, and it's just kind of something that's out there. So when I hear that a player um, is is accused, indicted, um, whatever, or entering being a... Inve- he's just being investigated. Investigated. Potential without, suspect. Potential suspect. Or, or anything. I mean, you know, even a player entering a rehab program. I'd say that, you know, nine out of ten are either cocaine or addiction to painkillers. In those instances. And I, I think it's it's the NHL's dark secret that they don't really talk about. Um, but I think it's out there. And it, whether Yuri Laterra is involved or not, we don't know. But it doesn't surprise me that it's come up involving an NHL player. Let's right, just put well, it that way. That's, that's dark and kind of sad. Yeah, it, it is. I didn't expect it to be Yuri. Uh, do we take the, the pot shot here that if... Uh, I don't think Gory actually had anything to do with it because one would assume that based on the uh, side effects of cocaine that, you know, perhaps Yori would have been faster on the ice. And, uh, well, anyway, I, well, you know, let's let's obviously hope that he's cleared of this, that it's not true. Right. Uh, and that, you know, him being a suspect, you know, he's already denied it. The team said that they've been in contact with the league office. So let's let's hope it's not true. That would be a shame that's and a black eye on, on the that, organization. So that said, that said, the Flyers have an out now. To get rid of him? Yeah, they do. Whether he's whether he's involved or not, the Flyers should drop him at this point. No one will claim him because of his contract, even though it's only one year. No one will claim him. You put him through waivers, and then you just release him. And then you let him resolve his problem, and if he's proven to be clean, maybe somebody in the NHL will give him a chance on a veteran minimum, and he comes in and gets a job again. Um, but it's 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 a good enough reason for the Flyers to part ways. They don't have room for him on the roster. This is this is you know the ideal situation. They're being handed this, you know, and they should take advantage of it. And the fact that they that they haven't yet kind of surprises me and, and disappoints me a little bit. But I think that they really should. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, I didn't expect you to have the uh, to have that opinion, but okay, I'll take it. Um, okay. Any other thoughts on Gritty? No? Well, you know... I Can can I just say, I like Gritty. Gritty at first was a little bit freakish, and I thought, is he going to scare children? So I showed a video of, of the reveal of him to uh, both of my kids, uh, who are both very little, and they both giggled at it, and uh, that was that. I have to say, though, Gritty, I, this is what I want to believe. If Gritty is going to be the mascot of the people... And that includes that when the Flyers are losing on the ice, that Gritty decides to go rogue and shoot, you know, uh, on-ice personnel on the team, team employees, with the t-shirt cannon to take out the rage that all of the thousands of fans in the arena are feeling in that moment, then Gritty's one of us. If Gritty wants to go up while people are chugging Miller lights in the, the top of the Wells Fargo Center and he wants to get involved, you know, have at it, Gritty. It's okay. Um, I, I just simply... I'm I'm hoping that there's going to be more to gritty than just falling on the ice, which I've enjoyed. Uh, and the social media account has been awesome so far. It's been straight fire. Um, but 
I worry that you know we're going to go down a road here where it's it's too much exposure too fast and the uh, the immediate love the initial hate and now it's turned to love it's that that Philly kind of love uh, where it started out where all the Philly fans were like what is this this awful terrible thing whose dumb idea was this and the national media started saying that and all of a sudden it was Philadelphia fans saying yo he's our mascot get out of here like he he is ours he's one of us don't you come after me don't come after us Scott Van Pelt. Don't come after us, you know, ESPN, leave them alone. We love Gritty. We've always loved Gritty. Don't go back like 10 minutes on our timeline, but we love Gritty. We've always loved him. He's great. You know? Philadelphia fans are, are so easy to figure out, aren't they? They are, and it's okay. It's, it's such, such a shame. But anyway, get Gritty's Gritty's Gritty. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be as successful as the Flyers think he's going to be, but I also don't think he's going to be a, um, you know, one season and done character either. Okay. I really don't. I, I think he's just going to be kind of a guy that's there because I, kn- I know the Flyers, they won't let him be that go rogue minor league type mascot, you know, kind of thing. They won't do it. They I, just won't. They will keep him contained. And nope. once he's contained, you can't, you can't contain gritty. Once he's you contained, you, you lose the interest. So here's my thought. They eventually kill off Gritty, right? Uh, they they try to get rid of him. Somebody gets a hold of the costume, and Gritty is hidden in all different parts of the Wells Fargo Center, and a group of Flyers fans manage to get the whole costume put back together, and Gritty just starts popping up at all different games. Uh, people start making their own Gritty costumes, start wearing them to games, and then pretty soon everybody's dressed like Gritty. Instead of it being the dog mask like the Eagles had for being underdogs, nay, nay, everyone is gritty. And then yeah, they start I'm, hanging banners, we are gritty. Instead, like of, instead of um, handing out orange t-shirts in the playoffs, everybody should just have a gritty mask. Oh, I love it. Absolutely. Right? Hashtag we are gritty. We are Let's gritty. Let's get it going. We are gritty. Yep. Yeah, and that's, that should be the goal. And I think that would be something, you put that on national television, you have 17,000 people acting like with, lunatics with, wearing with a gritty eyes. mask. Yeah. I love it. Yep. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, real quick, before we head out, uh, do you want to uh, who's that flyer this episode or no? Uh, sure, we got to do it, right? You have one, okay. I'm sure. Uh, no, I don't. I will in okay. a second. No, no, it's all right. If you don't have one, we can, oh, no, we can no, no, wait. No, no. no I, I, I've got it, Anthony. Don't you worry. This is, uh, this is the beauty of, of podcasting. All right. <clears throat> Here we go. You ready? Go ahead. Uh, this Flyers player, I don't, how specific do I want to go this time? Okay. This Canadian born Flyers player was a six foot five defenseman. He played for the Flyers from the 06 07 season through the 2013, no, through the 2014 2015 season. In uh, all those seasons with the Flyers, he never eclipsed uh, nine goals. But he did have a season where he scored. He had 27 assists, 21 assists, and 20 assists. Who's that flyer? Huh. Never had more than nine goals, huh? Never had more than nine with the Flyers. But played. actually, he never. No, he never had them in his entire career. Nine was the most he ever had. Okay. He had three seasons of 20 plus assists. So the only guy I can think of is uh, Darian Hatcher. That is incorrect. Ooh. Incorrect, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I guess he didn't play for the Flyers that long either. He only played for the Flyers for a shorter period of time. Um, yep. Six foot five. 
Um, who else was around back then? Uh, played for a long time. Oh, um, Braden Coburn. Braden Coburn is correct, Anthony. Well done. Yeah. That was a uh, an abbreviated uh, version of Who's That Flyer? That was yeah. good. Great, great bit of uh, one. After you had like the most, after you had like the most obscure Nate, who's that flyer of all time? And you nailed it immediately. This one. Yeah. Well, down. I mean, Darian Hatcher's okay. Darian Hatcher was six, five, I think. Right. Okay. Well, we can't all be perfect. It's okay. Right. That's okay. Um, just real quick on Coburn. Cause I know how you always like to get stories. And Kobe was not a guy who, um, was an easy story guy. Like, I mean, he, he was a guy that, you know, he was just kind of a Western Canadian farm kid, very quiet, didn't have a lot to say. I mean, he talked to you anytime you needed to talk to him. Um, and he was a pretty solid defenseman for them for a while. Um, but I remember writing a story, I think it was in, uh, as they were getting ready for the 09-10 playoffs, talking about how the Flyers had a bunch of guys who, you know, have played, oh no, no, it wasn't for the playoffs, it was for the Olympics. So I guess that was, I guess it was 08, whatever, yeah, whatever Olympic year was. Um, it might have been 10. Are the Winter Olympics on the 8, 4? Or are they on the 6, 10? What, I don't remember. Anyway, it was for the Olympics. And I was talking about all the guys in the Flyers locker room who had international experience and how successful they were and blah, 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 blah. Well, for some reason in the story that I wrote, I completely forgot Braden Coburn had played on the World Junior Canadian team um, against uh, Malkin for Canada, against Russia. And Canadians won. And they won a lot because... Coburn was assigned to shut down Malkin. Anytime Malkin was on the ice, Coburn was on against him, and Malkin couldn't do anything. And a lot of people, and I went back and looked it up, like stories and, and the like, um, credited Coburn with, with shutting down their best player, the Russians' best player. And I didn't even mention it. So I walk into the locker room, and a couple of guys come up to me, you know, say, hey, nice story, blah, 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 whatever. And Coburn goes, yeah, nice story. I guess you forgot all about me. You know, who had to do all the work against Malkin? Like he got real. Like it was the one time he got really animated and just started going, going, going off on a tangent. Um, and he uh, he was he was like pre fired up. It was it was pretty funny. So sorry, I'm coughing in your ear again. It's okay. I'm sick again. It sucks. You gotta stop being sick. Uh, speaking burn, of uh, burn the candle. Both, speaking both of uh, being sick, we got two new reviews on iTunes. One is a five star, one's a four star, and I don't sick. usually read. I don't usually read a four star review, but I'm going to. Uh, so this one, <laughs> this one you'll love. Okay. By uh, Juno three one two seven, who says, "Great Flyers coverage from two intolerable egos." Would you like me to continue? <laughs> intolerable egos. Yes. Nice. Okay. If you're looking for a Flyers podcast that provides information and insight from two guys who understand the game, are genuine fans of the team, and have insider access, then this is the podcast for you. You could have just stopped there, Juno, but no, we want personal attacks. That's okay. That said, these two fervent egos will consistently end up leaving a bad taste in your mouth by passively, aggressively putting down other Flyers podcasts along with others involved in covering the team. Now, I take issue with that. Uh, first of all, there are no other Flyers podcasts. And the second thing that I take uh, exception to is the fact that we've we've actually mentioned uh, people who covered the team and covered the team well. So I, I take uh, a little bit of umbrage with, with uh, what you said there, Juno3127. Anyway, uh, every episode, you can safely assume they're going to mention some petty nonsense that only presents one side of the story, making these two grown men seem like they're still in high school. Give it a listen and you'll see how even a podcast as good as this one, one that can land interviews with star players and even GM Ron... 
Hextall can also make you not want to hear the sound of their voices anymore because you automatically equate them with the D-bags you've stopped being friends with because all they do is invite drama into your life. Well, Juno, that was a very long and long-winded response and review it's all right. to, to tell us that hey, we four are. four stars. It's 80%. Four, four stars is uh, is actually pretty okay. Although I do like the fact that, that Juno does mention that we've landed interviews with players and GM Ron Hextall. Not every uh, podcast in the world can say that they've done that. So, uh, I don't know. Here's a five-star review. Love the show. I think this is Shafed. It might be Shafed. I don't know. And if it's neither, I apologize. As a new fan, I got to say, love the show. Like others, I'm a listener of BSH Radio. Um, but they only seem to talk about how Dave Hextall... Dave Hackstall is to blame for the world's problems, and if we just got rid of him, we'd be perennial cup champions. Anthony and Russ, on the other hand, know the ins and outs of hockey and can relate it to everyday fans, as well as the diehards. Also love that they're able to get guests on from the organization. Keep it up, guys. Well, thank you. That was a lovely, lovely review. Don't forget, go on to iTunes, leave a five-star rating. That's helpful. But a five-star review is also lovely, because we'll read it on the show. You know, not every show on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network uh, reads all their five-star reviews <clears throat> crossed up. And uh, so I think that's it. Anything else you wanted to say to the people, Anthony? No, I'm, I'm dying over here. I need to go take some meds and go to bed. Okay. So uh, don't forget to go check out the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast with uh, Anthony and Bob, who you can find on Twitter at Broad. Go check out It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia with Kevin Kincaid, which uh, is going to be, I think, a somber one. Uh, the Philadelphia Union, as of recording right now, are losing uh, 3-0 to the Houston Dynamo, including an own goal by Austin Trusty. So that's uh, that's not good. But you can check him out on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. And I believe he'll be on with uh, his usual co-host, Dave Zeitlin. I think he's on Twitter at Dave Zeitlin. Uh, go check out Crossing Broad FC with myself and Phil Kaidel. That's uh, at Phil Kaidel, K-E-I-D-E-L. It's not hard to spell. It's Phil Kaidel. And, of course, the flagship podcast of the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, the Crossing Broadcast with uh, Kyle Scott at Crossing Broad and myself. So uh, go check out those shows. Leave five-star reviews, five-star ratings, all that jazz. And uh, we appreciate it. It helps us with uh, rankings, helps us with our sponsors. And, of course, if you're interested in sponsoring any of the shows on the network, especially Snow the Goalie, uh, reach out to one of us, and we can uh, probably work something out. If you're a small business and you're not sure if you can afford it, don't worry. Reach out to us and... Uh, you know, you don't have to be a big hitter like Amerigas and Tropicana Sports to uh, sponsor Snow the Goalie, the uh, premier podcast, the players podcast, the people's podcast. For Anthony, who you can find on Twitter at Ant Philly, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. We will talk to you again very shortly.